Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the American Pale Males podcast. I am one of your hosts, Michael, <laughs> and with me is the other host. Hello, everybody. It's me, Jeremy. Michael, how in the world are you? Um, I'm doing well. I went to the zoo. The zoo, you say? <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, that was a good time. Uh, I did not go to the zoo today. I, uh... I had a fine time tailgating yesterday, watching my beloved Iowa Hawkeyes pound on their hated in-state rivals who shall remain nameless. <laughs> Four years in a row, Michael. Pretty good streak. Indeed. But uh, we're not exactly a sports cast. There's plenty of good ones out there. I like Go Iowa Awesome. Or Go Audio Awesome, rather. By the website Go Iowa Awesome. So, there's that. But, beer brags. Hit me. I had a, um, a very... In Vogue beer the other day. Okay. Um, I guess non-traditional you'd call it. This is from the brewing company called Untitled Art. And I believe they're from Waukesha, Wisconsin, maybe? But they always have kind of the trendier, cutting-edge type brews. You know, like the IPAs that spoil after a ten, month or something ten, like that. Ten you know? seconds. Yeah. So they're they're um, already tired of whatever's past New England IPAs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but this was a Neapolitan stout. Ooh. From them, and as the name suggests, it has notes of chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. So yes. As opposed to only eating the chocolate part of the stout. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. They just <laughs> they give it to you, and there's just a a third of it missing. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, this, so this is a milk stout with some vanilla notes, which isn't too far out of the realm of normalcy. But then you add this strawberry twist, and it becomes something different. Uh, it was very delicious. I think I had a nine-ounce pour of this or something. Is it heavy it was hitter? Also like, it is also like, yeah, it's like double digits mm-hmm. for ABV. So very delicious, but by the end, I'm like, Okay, I think I've had it enough of this. So it was a, a good size, good pour. Um, just because my tongue was getting over-cloyed, if that's a word. Um, probably not. I, I think just being cloyed is enough, because I think cloy in and of itself is a bad thing. Is already an extreme, yeah. yeah. So it was good. Uh, you know, it, it almost wasn't like I was drinking a beer. It was almost, you know, these milkshake... Milkshake? Did I say? Yeah. <laughs> milkshake stouts. Yep. Um kind of can lose their beerosity, I think. And I think this is an example of yeah. that. You know, that's kind of important for me to have like some uh, remnant of this being a beer. And this was kind of going beyond the horizon as far as that goes. Still something I enjoyed and something to have every once in a while, even for me. Um, but just something noteworthy of that. Like as is such, I probably would not reach for a six pack or four pack as it were of this. Mm-hmm. I had it on tap too, which made Ooh, probably a good difference. Uh, and I'm looking at uh, my on tap notes here, and I, I put, "Would a German man wretch?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> just because of how untraditional it is. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yes, Neapolitan stout from Untitled Art. Well, we want to double down on the on the beer brags this week, Michael. Okay. Because we we talk a lot about pub trivia on this particular podcast. And we were invited to the bar exam uh, tournament of champions today. 
the fiance became bloodthirsty the second she thought that we were that we had made it and qualified for it and they make a big stink about it. it's like oh hey you know there's cash prizes it's it's a whole lot of money at the at the end of the at the tournament at the end of the year you know and mm-hmm. but uh we called in the ringers we called friends of the show Dan and Jessica from Davenport and we also called in counsel of the show and uh teacher of the show I guess mm-hmm. uh and we took second place uh nice yes get a nice knowledge base there a little variety yes out of 2021 20, teams, I want to say. That's impressive. We and lost by two and a half points, which was upsetting because you, you look back and you see, you know, what could have been. Yeah, I hate that. What was the prize? Cash prizes. Mm. If you were to guess how much you would win for about a four-month season of pub trivia, the finals, how much do you think you would... Uh, for first prize. Well, or or for second, either one. Um, I'm gonna say it's probably not three digits. That seems like a lot. So I'll do seventy. Okay. Um. Well, you were wrong. It was three digits. Whoa. He there were was over a thousand dollars given away. Are you serious? Yes, I am serious. That's uh, to first, second, third, and fourth places. The poor schmucks who got fifth missed out a fourth by half a point. Oh God, they must be just slapping themselves in the face. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I believe fourth place was one hundred and fifty. Whoa. Yes, that's how much it was because we did the math, and if between the six of us, had we placed, you know, the least, we would have gotten at least twenty-five bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. We got two hundred and fifty dollars for winning second place. That's awesome. In cash. In cash. Now, be sure to report that on your 1099, Jeremy. I don't know what you're talking about, Michael. Yeah, your taxes. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm not a tax lawyer. But, anyway, uh, go on. Give me some uh, deets or, and or some beers. Shout out to Andrew's Bar Exam. I really liked the questions. They were great. They were hard. But uh, between us, like uh, they have like big old... List the 10 people who were anchors of Saturday Night Live weekend update for at least two seasons from 1985 to now. Oh, gosh. Council of the show got them all in about 15 seconds. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that is awesome. I, yeah. <laughs> the beer that I had that I th- that clearly spurred this on is from our old friends at Exile Brewing. I had GC Nebula. GC Nebula is a part of our One and Done series, a limited series of varying styles. This double IPA was brewed with galaxy and citra hops, flavors and aromas of passion fruit, citrus, and peach. A tropical intergalactic oasis for your taste buds. GC, Galaxy Citra. Oh, hey, cool. I was wondering what that stood for. <laughs> awesome. I, I I hadn't put that together. Um, very delicious. ABV of 7.6, IBU 40, Galaxy and Citra, Pilsner and Wheat for the malts. Mm. Um. It's just, you know, another stellar example of a... Stellar. Nebula. Well huh. done. Um, <laughs> of putting these these thick, heavy IPAs in there. It kind of felt a little bit like a New England IPA, but it wasn't quite as non-bittered. Okay. Lowly bittered. Still had low a little... IBU. It had, it had some bitterness, but the fruit mm-hmm. and the aroma mostly took over. I okay. really liked it, but to, you know, generate more content... I also went to a 50th anniversary screening of 2001 A Space Odyssey. 
Okay. At local Brew and View film scene. And everyone says that it's, you know, it's one of those things you have to see on a big screen. And normally I don't buy into that sort of thing. But in this case, it's true. Um, it's obscenely loud, which is awesome. It just rattles your innards like you wouldn't believe. Uh-huh. And I had the, had the intermission, it had the overture, it had everything. But I had from Fire Trucker Brewery in Ankeny, Iowa. I had Cat in a Tree. Get it? Okay. Uh, the alcoholic ginger beer. Oh, so it's almost more of a soda type thing versus. A, uh, yeah, kind of. This bubbly yeah. and refreshing, gluten-free ginger beer is anything but ordinary. Their light ginger spice, I call shenanigans on that, it was not a light ginger spice, <laughs> with the effervescence of a soda will pleasantly surprise all who doubt the power of the ginge. Well, the ginge? I don't know about that. At uh, 4%, it's perfect for cooling down on a warm day or adding that extra kick to your mule. Um, I really like ginger. I know that there's people out there who are not fans at all. Yeah, I like it too. Um, I like um, ginger beer specifically in a Pimm's cup. Aha, good call. Yes, anyway. But, but this is, uh, it's, I mean, it's a ginger beer. It's crisp. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no tartness. There's zero IBUs. It's 4% ABV. Delicious. If you want something different, go with the ginger beer. I liked it. Very cool. Interesting. Uh, kind of a brewery doing a non-beer, I guess you could say. Although mm-hmm. beer's in the name, it's really not a beer at all by the technical definition. Mm. But um, delicious nonetheless, I'm sure. Yes, indeed. So, Jeremy, as I was talking to you before we started uh, recording, yes, I said I found this document on my computer. <laughs> Actually, it was on my Google Drive. Mm-hmm. I, I I was at work on like some weekend, like six weeks ago or something, or two months ago, and uh, I don't know. This is probably 10 p.m. or something. Nothing much going on. Probably browsing Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Wiki hole. And I wrote these lists of questions intended for you because I think I, I came across some articles that just like oh yeah I wonder what Jeremy is, thinks of that and I wonder you know he likes this he likes topic I've heard him talk about cooking this I've, yeah mm-hmm. uh, listening to this music I wonder what he thinks of this um, or what he's experienced in terms of this okay so this is kind of a, a random interview questions for Jeremy to spur random conversation pieces sounds good first question Jeremy you go to a lot of concerts as you've discussed on the show. I'm going to uh, Riot Fest in three yeah. days. I'm excited. Concerts and festivals. What? <laughs> <laughs> I like on this already. St- on stage, what is the most amount of necks on a guitar that you've seen? Uh, I, I can answer this. I, okay. it, it, I, I know this. Um, so, does the name Rick Nielsen mean anything to you? Maybe that's kind of ringing a bell. Okay, um, I assure you, you know the name, or of the band he's in anyways, because he... he cheap p- Trick? He is Cheap Trick. Okay. <laughs> is it wh- where you got it from? He probably, I, I know I looked at the article, like, multi-neck guitar or uh-huh. something at some point, but uh, yeah. Rick Neal, so I saw Cheap Trick uh, three or four Riot Fests ago, and they were also here in town for uh, Ragbri. Last year, I think, two ragbrais ago, and he used, in both times, I'm going to send you a picture of it, uh, a five-necked guitar. Wow, it's it's absurd. Usually, I've 
Uh, Coheed and Cambria, a band I like, will use a double neck guitar. It's it, I assume that most bands do it because Led Zeppelin did it and it looked cool when they were, you know, 10 or saw it growing up in pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's got to be five. I don't think I've seen any, anything more. I've seen two a few times, but nothing more than five for sure. Okay. But there's one, I I swear I saw a picture of a, a, it was like this Japanese artist with a 12-neck guitar. I mean, I, um, belie- I believe it. <laughs> uh, I am seeing one from, oh, did you ever see the Tenacious D movie? I never actually saw the movie. Okay. It's really, really dumb, but it is fun. <laughs> I I enjoy it. Um. It uh it definitely has uh KG playing a guitar solo on a four necked guitar where they're all perpendicular to one another. <laughs> and those things are real. Uh Google Michael Angelo Batio, B A T I O. Uh-huh. And uh he's one of those guys who has nothing better to do than like meld guitars and learn I'm it's absurd and means nothing, but uh but yeah. The the double neck is cool, but it's not really necessary. Right. Okay. Okay. So sticking with the concert theme, next question here is, how many members of a band have you seen on stage? I'm not talking about, like, you know, <laughs> fans coming on stage or, like, uh-huh. cameos, but, like, you know, like, I know Slipknot has a lot of members. They have nine. Polyphonic Spree has, like, 40 or something, it's... but that's just, like, a choir. But um, how, uh... you personally... Uh, so the second Lollapalooza I went to, I believe this would have been the one you went with me, or you mm-hmm. came with. You came later in the day. They they opened one of the stages. Does the name Bang Camaro ring a bell? That one doesn't. Okay. Go on. Uh, I don't know how many people they have in their band because I th- I if they're still around, I would be shocked because they <laughs> they have two drummers two bassists, five guitarists, and about 40 singers. I'm not not kidding. Oh, my God. It's absurd. So it, it just turns everything into, you know, the, the gang vocal part of your favorite, you know, Motley Crue song. Or okay, okay. There is no lead singer. It's, it's bananas. Like, it's completely unsustainable, but it is fun. That does sound fun. Holy cow, they're still around. <laughs> oh. Whoa! I'm I'm looking at the uh, <laughs> the Wikipedia now, and like there's current members and past members. There's yeah, about this is just the ones that have edited themselves into it. Um, <laughs> so there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve on current singers. They all played lead, whatever. I'm pretty sure they had multiple bassists at one point. Um, but yeah, it's it's absurd. And then yeah, about seventeen past members, eighteen past members. Yeah. Which about more than half of those being vocals. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I, I came across these as they were in a lot of uh, Guitar Hero and Rock Band songs. Oh. So, yeah. I guess the last of the concert questions, what is the most intentional destruction that you've seen on stage? So breaking instruments or tipping over amp stacks mm-hmm. or... So destruction of equipment, not necessarily of people. Right, yes. Okay. And I, I'm Guar doesn't count because that's part of the show, right? Right. Um, it was probably Green Day. Okay. Because they had a uh, did probably still do had a deal with Gibson Guitars and Hammer Drums, whoever makes the drum sets for them, and they would end every show by lighting a drum set on fire and oh, there you smashing go. guitars. But it's 
it's cool and it makes for a good you know rock and roll story when you're 18 like I was but the older I get it's just like do you know what I could have done with that drum set? <laughs> yeah, right. Or right. what I could have done with that? Like that, they're not cheap guitars. Oh no! It's 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 upsetting to me as an old man now. Okay, okay. I've seen a few bands dive through trap sets, which looks really really painful. Trap sets? A drum set. Oh, okay. So yeah. like like a whatever hardcore punk band is playing at the time, they'll uh, last song's over and they'll just do a barrel roll through the. Uh, the drum set, it looks horrific every time. Yeah, lots of pointy things and hard surfaces. A lot of hard things, a lot of screws. Yeah. It's, it looks unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. Um, next topic, we, you know, we've talked about horror movies here before. Indeed. And I don't, I don't know if I should say who, but I think I'm going to say what instead. What is the coolest Cenobite from the Hellraiser series? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> that's a real good question, Michael. Um, I... Th- Think. Coolest, you know, the coolest not the most one. deadly, not well, the yeah, most yeah, yeah. pinny. Well, the only one that really comes to mind is Pinhead because he's on all the posters despite yeah. not really being in a lot of them. He's the cover boy. He's the cover boy. I liked the one in, uh, I don't remember which one it is, but he's got the, if you Google image search Cenobite, it's the third picture. I like the one with his face pulled back. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of like if there were a series of hooks made of flesh that go into your mouth and they just like yanked your lips back so there's oh, about yeah, an yeah, inch yeah, of gum showing on each one. He was pretty cool. I liked the fat one with the sunglasses too. He was fun. They all have names, but I'll be hornswoggled if I can remember them. Um, <laughs> oh, I see the fat one with sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he, he's fun. There's a bunch of them that come up in the later movies and I will not be bothered to watch past three because they get real bad. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, like, yeehaw! This isn't even fun, bad. But yeah, I, I, I like, I like the, uh, the mouth one, followed up closely by the fat one. But Pinhead is the, uh, the OG. Okay. Okay. Final question. Mm-hmm. What does corning beef entail? I think it's like a. Uh, have you done it before? I have not done it, but I want to. Oh, that seems like something you would do. It, yeah. Um, I believe it's like brining it. It's, it's okay. curing. Corned beef is a salt-cured beef product. The term comes from the treatment of the meat with large-grained rock salt, also called corns of salt. Oh. And it's really, really bad for you. (laughs) Do you like to have that around St. Patrick's Day or just enjoy it at any time of the year? Uh, You can't. It's harder to find it around other times of the year, but it is delicious. Hmm. There is a deli in Chicago that I frequented at one point. Don't know if it's still there. It's called the Ashkenazi Deli, and it was just north of downtown. Mm-hmm. And it was delicious, and I ate a lot of corned beef there. And I think it's still, holy crap, it's still there. Oh, no, never mind. Ashkenaz <laughs> Deli with roots back to 1910 to be closed. Closes to be replaced by Traif, T-R-A-Y-F. I don't know what that is. Mm. Buyers of the restaurateur who plans to open... A bargain-priced lobster roll spot called Da Lobster. Ugh. Mm. Ugh. I, I don't trust lobster rolls in Chicago. <laughs> Lake Michigan lobster. Yeah. There are certain dishes that should only be had in certain areas like, well, like lobster rolls. <laughs> okay. I mean, just because, like, the longer the lobster is not fresh, the worse off it gets, right? Right. Well, you don't know. What am I, te- what am I doing? <laughs> well, I mean, I understand that as a concept, at least. It's it's like if you're like 
they don't have any fresh sushi in Iowa City. Like, no. I mean, yeah, it's kind of fresh, but it's not like... Catch of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in uh, Seattle, in Portland, you can get some fresh fish. Alaska, uh, right? you are kind of forced to have fish on your way in. It's, I think it's part of customs. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Yeah. I, I I miss I I really like corned beef to get all the way back around. Well, very good, Jeremy. Thank <laughs> you for indulging my interview questions. So, Michael, if you were to corn some sort of vegetable, what would you corn? Like, I mean, I realize that you can't really cure a vegetable, but if you, <laughs> let's say brine or pickle a uh, non-traditional food, what would you do? Mm, a beet? <laughs> Is that a cop-out answer? Pickled beets are not normal, but they are delicious. They are very good. Pickled cornichons are pretty good. Those tiny little pickles. <laughs> Could you corn corn? I mean, probably. Yeah. I don't. I, it'd probably be bad because it's like salty and sweet, but. Yeah, I would but, do that just for the um the uh-huh. novelty. Yep. Jeremy, should mm-hmm. we move on to the FDR? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it now. The FDR, of course, stands for find a beer, drink a beer, and then rate that beer. Mm-hmm. And today we are transitioning right into our Oktoberfest zone. Scotchtoberfest? <laughs> um, by having a brew from one of the official Oktoberfest breweries. Jeremy, what do we have today? We're having Hofbrau Maybach. Maybach? Maybach? Maybach. Maybach. Understand Hofbrau it. München Maybach. Yes. Have we done any Hofbraus? I just searched the database recently, and unless I'm not putting the umlauts on something then that does seem like something that you would do <laughs> but it also seems like something you wouldn't do right well let me here i searched for it without and i'm searching for with search an entire spreadsheet i'm not finding it i'm not finding it this is the first for the apm pod i'm finding out a lot about this beer right now that i did not know in my uh, <laughs> uh air quotes research Right. Well, I can do a little, I just reading from the website mm-hmm. here, uh, I can go into the brewery. Color text. Yeah. Brewery. Do it. Let me do the brewery. Um, and they have like a whole bi-century navigation system that you can go through, but I'll just <laughs> oh, read kind of some highlights. The story of Hofbrau. How do you say Munich in German? Is it? München. 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 That's like what you do with food. The story of Hofbrau München began with a culinary challenge more than 400 years ago. Since he found the beer brewed in his court in Munich to be of poor taste and quality, William, I assume that's the fifth, Duke of Bavaria, founded Hofbrauhaus in 1589, the birthplace of brewery and gastronomy. Mm -hmm. Today, the Hofbrauhaus Bavarian State Brewery is in Munich, is one of two still Bavarian-run traditional Munich breweries. So that's right. We talked about this in another episode. This, this is state-run, essentially. Oh, yeah, that's right. I wonder what the other one is. Good old Bavaria. That'd be an Iowa state-run brewery or Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> They'd probably botch it, though. Um, no, you, we were talking about Weihenstefaner. That's right. That's the other one. And so this is, yes, okay, that's clicking now. And then also, I clicked through some of their uh, timeline history here, and there's some things pertinent to this beer before we get into the more technical stuff 1614 elias pickler pitchler creates the maybach over 400 years ago since the import is more expensive brewmaster elias pickler who has (laughs) been specially enticed away from einbeck 
mm-hmm. fulfills the destiny of a thirsty court and invents the Maybach. Munich's oldest Bach beer stands in the tradition of the Einbecker strong beer. I, I didn't realize that this was as strong as it is. Yeah, that surprised me too. So that was 1614, six years later, Pilgrim's Land on the shores of the United States. Um, just to put that in perspective. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then another little cute story about Maybach here. During the Thirty Years' War, Sweden, under King Gustav Adolf, occupies the city of Munich in 1632. Munich exchanges <laughs> 344 buckets of Hofbrau Maybach <laughs> for Sweden's promise to refrain from plundering and pillaging the city. They kept their promise. Specifically plundering. Yeah, right, yes. <laughs> Just buckets of beer. That's what I yeah, imagine yeah. on a big cart, just sloshing around. Um, Open. Which may have been how it was done. Probably fair. I mean, yeah. that's fair. But, Jeremy, do you have the more modern technical? Yes. So, Michael, I'm told that this is the beer for connoisseurs. It was a long, long time ago that Hofbrau Maybach was brewed for the first time in 1614, like you just said. The bottom fermented beer specialty filled beer steins for the first time. Even today, Munich's oldest Bach beer is still as popular as ever with its full-bodied malty flavor. The relatively high alcohol content of 7.2 doesn't do things halfway and satisfies, especially honest beer connoisseurs. Michael, are you honest? I like to think myself as being honest. So there is a lot of uh, technical detail on this that's <laughs> bottom fermented, which, or is that lager? I don't know. Less lager, lager. Okay, lager. lager. Uh, it's brewed through the decoction method. There's Munich malt, there's light barley malt, there's 31 EBC for bittering units. It uses Magnum, Hercules, Perl, and Schlecht hop varieties. Uh, it pairs well with sausage and cheese, roast dishes, knuckles, goulash, and desserts. That'd be like pig knuckles? I mean, probably. I can't think of any other knuckle that you would eat, nor can <laughs> I think of any other animal that has knuckles the one would eat. Uh, the taste is Baroque, slightly oily, malty aroma in the bouquet, very full-bodied, malty aromatic, and with a velvety, soft, and hoppy finish. How does something taste Baroque? I don't, I don't know. Were you, I hope you were wondering that, too. Is there a like, secondary definition I don't know of with that? or? I mean, does it like smell of rich uh, mahogany and fine <laughs> right, leathers? Or, and, yeah. Mm. So while this this is like adjacent to an Oktoberfest, this style. Um, I grabbed this because I was running out of time, Michael. <laughs> and it looked Oktoberfesty. Well, I, I'm glad. I just Whenever we have an international brew, I'm just glad we have an international brew, you know? Me too. Um, and it's befitting to the upcoming Oktoberfest season. I think next week kicks off. So yeah. And we're going to kick off. So this is like pre-show yeah i uh unfortunately like my entire year am going to miss oktoberfest this year oh just because of just you know it's it's wedding season once again Mm -hmm. as you know not only do you have to go through wedding season once for your own friends so like yours knob of the show etc (laughs) etc When you're marrying someone who's younger than you, and then they go through that, you get to go to all those weddings too. Oh yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but uh, I have a I have a family member who's getting married and having his reception at a beer garden in Omaha. Holy crap! I just put that together. Awesome. Okay, never mind. I take that back. <laughs> so you will get a little taste of Oktoberfest, even if it's not the uh, the Iowa City fun. I'm I'm still excited. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's open this one. I agree. The classic 
Hofbrau logo. I was just going to say that. Yes, with the crown and the H and the B. So I think the last time I had anything by Hofbrau was the, the classic or their Oktoberfest last year when I was at Adventureland in De- outside of Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, they have a Hofbrau House franchise inside the park. Oh. So rather than, you know, I have an $8 24-ounce Coors Light, you can have an $8 24-ounce Hofbrau. Right, which, which is actually worth it. <laughs> yeah, or in the all I mean, I was surprised. They had, uh, like, Toppling Goliath and Exile oh. and all the locals. You're going to love it at Adventureland. Jeez. <laughs> the smells beery. Yeah, very classic. Those German malts kind of, oh, I describe them as coppery, I guess. A little bit, yeah. It's in color and in scent. Very much so. It is a uh, a clear lager, as one expects. Mm-hmm. Effervescent. It is yep, effervescent. Yep. I'm using a dimpled stein. I, I do not have a good stein, or a stein for that matter. A dimpled one sounds perfect. I'm just using yeah. a boring old shaker. Maybe I'll give you one because I have like two. <laughs> okay, that's good. Well, I'm going to give you some Belgian glasses because I have like six. Okay, that sounds great. All right, cool. It's a deal. Uh, yeah. Let, go in, Michael. Yeah, let's go for this. Oh, I like the head. It's really a uh, tiny bubbles, like classic beer foam foam. Yes, very much so. That's good. Oh, yeah. That's... Very caramely. Very malty. That's a 7% lager, all right. Mm. And it, it's smooth, you know? It, it's smooth. It's got a little bit of a uh, little bit of the boozy heat to it, but it's not yeah, like... A little bite, yeah. A little, little bite, but not bad. Um, yeah, I was surprised to see that ABV, too, because I just don't associate that with German beers. Um, yeah. Usually around 5, maybe 6, but yeah, this one this one brings it. Yeah, all the, all the classy types. Like, when I was in London, one of the bartenders that I was talking to it like looked at me crazy when i asked him if he's like that that's that's 5.8 percent so you gotta be careful with those but <laughs> i don't like I, I i appreciate it chap but <laughs> meanwhile i had just come from uh it was the place in uh, uh glasgow that was mm-hmm. in the the contest with the other scottish brewery oh to have the most brew dogs or hop dogs or brew dog yeah brew dog yeah that's where i went to so yeah but it was adorable, but <laughs> I, I feel like the Germans do not... I feel like they don't screw around, but they also don't, like, really go nuts, if that makes right. sense. Right. If they do it, they're going to do it well. Yes, yes. Especially when you've been doing this for, like, what, how many years? 400 years? Yeah, 400 plus. Yeah. So, you can you can taste the age in this, or the history, I suppose, is a better way. That's a good way to say it, yeah. The hops do come through, like... Like when I you were talking there, I just had my mouth closed and I could taste the hops on my tongue. A little bit, yeah. More of a earthiness to them. Not really a bitter hop, but there is a lingering hop flavor. It was a nice, noble European. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm excited to start screwing around with a little bit more. We have some of those leftover noble hops from the last oh, few yeah. beers. And I have, after a botched attempt at cultivating Franz's Sconer yeast... I now have uh, the good old-fashioned Bell's yeast. Oh, yes. Culturing away. It's ready to go. It's going to go Very off like good. a rocket. I'm excited. Oh, that reminds me. The Saison, uh, mm-hmm. that French yeast we, we had last week, I threw that in a cider batch. Ooh, interesting. So I'm hoping that, that will it should. meld well with the cider. And I also procured the ingredients of the Smash Ale, mm-hmm. finally. So I'm hoping I'm can do that next week good call hopefully i can do that after i get back from 
Chicago, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. The East is ready to go, which is the the rate limiting step. Right. But anyway, Hofbrau, my boy. Uh, yes. Is there anything you dislike? Like this is, I like this beer, but it it's not like uh, going nuts. Like it's not something that reaches out and smacks you around. Right. I could be spinning my wheels. I've had a long and mentally intense day, Michael. <laughs> right. That's right. With trivia. Yes. But I think this is kind of befitting that because I don't think there's a lot to say or a lot you have to think about with this one. True. You know, when I think about drinking a beer like this, it's just like the beer is kind of secondary, like, you know, you're having conversation, you're asking about Cenobites, you're (laughs) eating a big pretzel, and then this beer is just there just to... Facilitate. Enhance the atmosphere. Yeah, it's it's unintrusive, but it's... It's C- certainly strong. Sturdy. It's, it's strong, distinct. sturdy. Yeah. I feel like the most uh, distinct part about these German beers probably has to be the house yeast style, mm-hmm. because like these are all these like unpronounceable German beers, like this Weinstefaner, Spalt. Wait, no, that's a grain. I don't know. Just all those German ones that uh, adhere to various purity standards of this mm-hmm. and that. I all feel like they have a similar feel to them, even though, you know, you could probably, if you were, like, sensor, sensorily deprived of everything but taste, you could probably tell if, you know, they were the same beer or different. Right. There's a common thread to them. There's a common feel. There's a, co- like, you can, like, oh, this is a German beer. Right. And I feel like that probably has to come from just an ancient yeast strain. Right. And I th- consistency with ingredients, too. That, too. Um, probably helps but yeah yeah just like the familiarity there with that yeast and how locked into the beer style it is after centuries of grooming is incredible so yeah i part of me wants to figure out how they would culture yeast i mean i'm sure they just took the crap out of the bottom of the barrel and threw it into the next barrel right yeah yeah but it's i'm still curious as to if they're what like hmm, prehistoric is medieval sciences Right, right, yeah, that, that's how cool. that factored in, yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily to the realm of trepanning or anything like that, but... What is the term... Is it is it generation time? Like... Yes. Things with a short generation time? I, I think... I I think so. Evolve yeah. more quickly, yeah. Anyway. Propagation cycle? I don't know. It's all... <laughs> um, if I start getting agar and uh, that little... Oh God! What is the little the little metal loop to like start picking colonies? Will then uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> come get me and like yell at me and tell me to do something more with my life? But until then, uh, let's rate this beer. Yes, I'll go first. I guess go right ahead. I think my favorite aspect of this is just the malt. I, I just like that yeah, German malt, which is something so crisp to it, something so clean. I guess compared to other German beers, this one is as you mentioned has a little more of a bite, but that's so marginal compared to other beers like that are available in the U.S. Do we think this is because... So, the beer is darker than a regular Oktoberfest lager, whatever. Hellas, Marzen, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do we think that the higher alcohol content is a byproduct of the darker malts? Yeah, is or, it more? Or, more? or more malt, rather. More than anything, because, I mean, it, it has that similar taste to even, like, an Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. But it's just a little more intensified, I think, and a little more heavy. I feel like it's sweeter, too. That could be, yeah, and that would make sense, too. Like, But not in a, uh, you're having, like, sugar or anything like right. that. Just a grain sweet. That malt sweetness, yeah. Yeah. 
I really like it, and I, I'm probably imparting some brand bias here, but um, I have good memories of Hofbrau. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go 4.25. Dang, dude. Yeah, I, I this is... Like, when I talk about Burosity... The, the, like, yeah. This 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 is Burosity yep. right here. Yeah. And I like I like Burosity, so um It's true. So that's that's where I'm going and you maybe you can put some checks and balances into that rating, but um I love it. So that's what I'm going to give it. It's it's very good. Um I'm I'm a little hesitant to like go nuts on this. I love German beers. I love the mm-hmm. style. If you are going outside of just the 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 pun is unintentional, but it's fitting. The Wild West of American beer, where mm-hmm. whatever yeah, yeah. what whatever wacky crap you can think of, just immediately will. It's like we're making an IPA with zero IBUs, you know, <laughs> right. which was good. We had that. We tried it. It was good. But it's it's I I think that this is my favorite like old world beer. So mm-hmm. if, if you're going out in the line of like an English bitter or a a Double, triple, whatever. All very good, but I think that this is probably my favorite style, like the Bavarian beer. Yeah. That I think that's a good specific way to put it. Yes, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's just I th- I believe that German beer was my first, you know, venture outside of American beer. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the first like weird beer, but the first American or. Er, foreign weird beer right belgians were the labels and all the stuff were a little bit intimidating plus this has a more reasonable price point besides like a guinness or a bass even oh well yeah you're right okay no guinness was the first one but that's that almost feels american at this point right yeah i I know i know it's not but i don't want to say unusual but uh, not oft encountered yeah like international beer Stuff that you're not going to find on tap unless you go somewhere like the Sanctuary. Yes, yes. So, so the 500 block of South Gilbert, Iowa City, Iowa. Um, but this one, the the copperiness on this one's a little bit rich. Mm-hmm. I suspect if we had had this on tap, I would be much happier than that factors with in, it. Yeah. Um, like the anger we had. That was unreal. That was awesome. But I, I do like this. I'm going to give it a four. Okay, yeah. That's perfectly cromulent. You know, there's a lot of hemming and hawing and trying to talk myself into something that wasn't, you know, just a boring old four. But what are you going to do? Yeah, I think that's legit. Yeah, I do too. Michael. Yes. We've raided. We've drank. We have found. How about you uh, FDRP and plug our social (laughs) media? There we go. That'll Franklin do. Franklin Delano Roosevelt party. Piglesworth. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, get in touch. You can do that in a variety of ways. You can look at us on Twitter or Facebook at APMPod there. Email us directly, APMPod at gmail.com. Check us out on Untapped, where host Emeritus Mike, keeper of the Untapped, Tom Bombadillo of the show, puts all of our ratings on that app. It um, never gets easier a- hearing you say that. Never does. We're APMPod there as well. Rate, review, subscribe on whatever device, app, program. Remember when... Apps were called programs. I, I do. I still think of them that way. Apps are on phones. Yes. And um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. It's, it's how we roll in this world. I mean, yeah. it's just like, ugh. I'm, I'm old, Michael. I'm feeling it every day. Yeah. When you don't like seeing musical equipment being destroyed and... 
It's always bothered me. You like computer programs? It's computer programming, not computer <laughs> app-ing. In any case, it's another one down the gullet. <laughs> so for Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I've been the blathering Jeremy. And this has been American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers.